0: it's almost universal whether it's two wheels four wheels 18 wheels no wheels so many of us have a special memory involving a vehicle or a story about a car we've loved even if you can't tell a crankshaft from a drive shaft i want to hear the story of the vehicle that moved you i'm blake jackson and this is autobiography You know, next guest on the Autobiography Podcast, uh, we were talking with Tom from the Pharaohs Car Club, and he recommended a number of people, and this was the first on the list. He said, this guy's amazing. He's got an extensive racing history, and he's actually a general with the Pharaohs in B.C. He said, Rick Stewart is the guy you got to talk to. So, Rick, welcome to the show. Tell us about the vehicle that moved you.
1: Probably the biggest one that's had the biggest impact on that on me is my... um 1948 ford f6 cab over coe rat rod truck that my daughter and i built
0: oh i gotta stop and tell you about the cab over engine 1948 and a new sensation was sweeping the nation because um, they needed something that could get around buildings in a more maneuverable and safer sort of fashion uh ford started making these trucks with the cabs right over the engine so you're that much closer to the front of the truck and and you could get around it was a lot safer and it was better for you know those those tight turning radiuses so there you go new innovation the cab over engine interesting though for a while ford was making the cab under engine but many many people died so, what was it about this one that you uh,
1: that you really loved? Well, when uh, about approximately eight years ago, Rat Rod Magazine put out a builders challenge, a build-off challenge, uh, three thousand dollar budget, thirty days to build something from scratch. So, my daughter and I entered it. At the time, she was sixteen, and I was in my forties. I have had several workplace injuries, and in that that have left me impaired and disabled but my daughter's thinking you know we could we could definitely do something like this because we've done lots of restorations and that on cars she thought you know what let's let's get in there and let's do it so we were in in the build-off and we we did the build-off and that with everybody else and we built this truck literally from scratch in 28 days for $2,900
0: and how did it turn out
1: It turned out really good in that. We put it on a 1994 van, Econoline van chassis, 306 in it. We did all the suspension in it. We did all the, um, we kept all the electronics and everything and the brakes and everything that were in the van and we amalgamated it into the cab over. We built our own cab mounts. We did everything in our driveway. No shop, no tools and no help at all.
0: And she was 16 at the time. Yep. Very proud of her, I bet.
1: Very, very proud of her. She's grown up around me doing racing and that with the NASCAR Canadian Tire Series here in Canada. We were actually in charge of the street stocks and sport, um class and that up here.
0: So as far as muscle cars, I mean, that's my bread and butter, too. That's what I really love. Um, anything notable that you've owned in the past or, or wanted to own in the past?
1: First car was a 78 King Cobra Mustang too. Cool. Um... And I had that in high school. My second car was a 69 Yanko 427. But you got to remember, this was back when they were, you know, Camaros were a dime a dozen back then and very easily found. Yeah. You couldn't find that same car nowadays. Now,
0: um, someone's, someone's going to be listening and, and saying, "What, what's a Yanko? Can you just explain that?
1: Uh, Don Yanko was an automotive dealer in that down in the U.S. that um, built some supercars in that for wish the cooperation of Chevrolet and that and he specified with 427s and most of them had four speeds there were very few that had automatics but he offered them in Chevelles the Corvairs actually had the the Yenko stamp on that on them Um, Nova's um, Camaros a lot of the GM muscle cars on that back in the late 60s and that early seventies and that had the, the Yanko badge and that on them. And it kind of made them a special car and that it took a $2,700 car up to a $5,000 car retail brand new.
0: You mentioned there was a backstory to that
1: Camaro. That car was purchased and that just outside of Calgary, out of a barn and that a woman had placed an ad online and that for the car, like on, on, um, in the newspaper and that for the car to be sold. And they said, you know, it just said Camaro for sale and Nobody really called her or wanted to look at it. A few people looked at it, uh, like, but showed disinterest right away. It was in a barn. It was covered in hay. It was covered in um, chicken droppings and everything. It was in really, really bad shape in that, when I went to look at it. You couldn't even look in the windows. You didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. It would have been in the barn for so long and that, and it was just horrible. I made a deal with her. She said, "You know, you got to drag it out of here. You got to air up the tires and that. You got to drag it out of here." And I thought, "Okay, well, you know, I'll pay what you're asking for it, but you know, I'm really taking a chance because I can't even open the doors. I can't start it. So it was loaded up and taken to school and began its process of finding out exactly what it was. And after a few days and that of scraping and cleaning and pressure washing and repeating the process over and over, I managed to get into the like." to actually open the doors and it when I saw the YSC in the seats I knew I had something special I had to get that hood open to confirm it and it turned out it was the factory original 427 it had been purchased by a young man in Calgary and taken out to the farm and he went to Vietnam and never came home that was the life of the car it was very very important to keep the car you know preserve the car unfortunately because i was 19 at the time and that when i wrecked it i really didn't think i didn't honor that tradition of what that car really was
0: you know for the time that you had it though i'm sure that you did appreciate it and i'm sure that uh, his mom oh, i was... love that thing yeah i'm sure she was glad to know how much yeah. you appreciated it too yeah um, And I hope that anyone listening gets how special these cars are. Hearing about you finding one in a barn. um, I want to hit the back roads right now and start scouring farmyards myself. Do you think there's still those barn finds out there?
1: There is, actually. There was a uh, Yanko Chevelle found, I believe, within the last five or seven years and that that I just heard about that uh, it was a red one in that and there's a a shop down in the u.s and that that does restorations and that on these cars and he actually found one the the missing yanko chevelle that everyone had talked about but the car literally disappeared it had hit a pole it had hit a power pole and the car literally disappeared it was taken off the road and shoved in a barn and forgotten about and then all of a sudden the original owner of it passed away the family found the car in his estate and said, okay, well, we need to find out, you know, if someone can fix this up or do something with it, or they didn't have any interest in the car. And those are even rarer than the Camaros.
0: You mentioned that this car kind of disappeared and there is a question as to where it was. And it's, it's funny, I guess, like in any community, these urban legends, uh, these urban legends appear. Have you heard of any missing cars or, or I guess any, any car legends or urban legends? I
1: actually just met a gentleman yesterday that told me that there is a missing Bugatti within one hour of me. Oh. That someone has, he has seen photographs of it in a barn. It's apparently in a very, very early Bugatti. Oh. And it is supposed to be complete. And I thought, yeah, I'm not sure about this. But he was very adamant about it. He actually went home and then he met, messaged me back and said, I found the pictures. Do you want to see it? And I thought, if you've got the pictures, I don't want to see it because it's all it's going to do is intrigue my curiosity. But I do know that there is, there is a gentleman in that that's a half an hour away from me that has a factory original 1971 Challenger drag car. It's in his dining room. The house was built around the car. The car was the house was actually built initially, but he extended the kitchen and dining room to encompass the car and then he built a garage beside it. I've seen the car. There's no VIN number on it. It was specifically built for Chrysler for racing.
0: So the Chrysler made this and said it's not even going to hit a dealership. It's straight to the track.
1: It went straight to the track. And this gentleman had owned it since 74. And and it's still there. And I think it's only got 11, 11 or 12 miles on it. Oh, my God. And it's just straight quarter-mile races. That's it.
0: And do it's, you think it will ever leave the dining room?
1: When he dies, the family has sworn that they're going to cut the house apart and get rid of the car. huh. <sighs> Because they can't stand seeing it. It's sitting on cinder blocks in the house.
0: So is he just an eccentric kind of character? Very. <laughs> Very. What's a good way to to get your kids interested in it? Uh, I, I imagine you talk to a lot of car people and they're probably thinking the same thing. What do you recommend for someone who wants to pass this down?
1: My kids, both my kids in that new about all the interaction that we had going to car shows. Plus I taught them to do the same thing. My, my son built his first bike. He took three BMX bikes and built a eight foot long low rider bike. And the frame was an inch off the ground. He'd ride that thing to school. He learned how to weld. He took pride in what he built at a very young age. So the, I can't express enough that the more they learn at a younger age, better and greater appreciation that they'll have for it when they get older
0: that's perfect and and that's a big reason why i started this you know i want those stories behind it and i want them all passed down so this is ideal rick thank you very much for the time today all right thank you for having me well thank you very much that was rick stewart He's a car guy from way back, and tons of stories. Maybe we can have him on again. Rick is actually a member of the Pharaohs Car Club, and the Pharaohs have been very generous with suggesting members that could come on the Autobiography Podcast, and they're actually the oldest car club out there. Um, 75 years next year. So looking forward to hearing from more members like this one. Probably the
2: most recent one. I've taken a 2008 Volkswagen Beetle.
0: Pumping the brakes a bit to tell you about the Beetle from Volkswagen. The new Beetle that we're talking about right now was built from 1997 to 2011. However, the very first one started production in 1938, originally commissioned by Adolf. Oh, never mind. 57. 57 is actually the record for people that fit in a Beetle at one time. And this is pretty cool, too. I found out that Volkswagen had a policy for a while. If you were a baby who was born in a Volkswagen Beetle, Volkswagen would give you a savings bond. And I hope they'd actually give that mother a medal as well.
2: I took the 2.5 liter gas engine out and uh, converted it to a full electric. This thing started off as a, a retirement project. I retired from the automotive parts industry here uh, in the last year, and this was supposed to give me a project to keep me busy for the, for the next few years, and... Uh, and I kind of wrapped it up in about six months. I researched a lot on the uh, lithium batteries and, and what the best solution was, right? Instead of tabbing together a whole pile of the, the small lithium batteries, I actually found a battery pack out of a Chevy Bolt and uh, disassembled it. It's, I think, a 365-volt battery originally, and uh, basically modified it into, into 314-volt packs, I hooked them in parallel, and uh, lots of wiring, lots of... Lots of learning, but uh, it—you it, know what? Overall, it went pretty quick, and uh, really thrilled with the results. Like this thing gets about 200 kilometers on a charge. It's not fantastic, but you know what? For a commuter car uh, in the mountains, too, it's uh, actually pretty good. and uh, The charge takes about—works uh, out to about a penny a kilometer to drive this thing. Oh. So it's, yeah, <laughs> very affordable, and, and it goes really well. It's geared a little bit on the tall side. Uh, it hasn't got a power. Uh, torque off the line, it gets up and goes. But uh, I've had up to 160, 170 k like nothing. There's still lots of throttle left in
0: it. In the car clubs and and the other enthusiasts like yourself, what's the general opinion of of electric vehicles? Most people say, "Hey, cool," or is there still a lot of arm crossing?
2: Yeah, you know what? Uh, everybody that's seen this thing is really impressed with it, and that uh, you know, I, I I like horsepower too. I like I've uh, had my share of well. Drag, rear-engine dragsters and motorcycles and
1: and you name it, right? And
2: uh, I've restored uh, quite a few vehicles over the years. I guess the, the first thing I ever worked on is, uh, like, 14 years old, I put a 302 in, uh, buddy of mine bought a Dodge Colt, and uh, oh. he wasn't happy with the 4 cylinder engine, so he put a 302 into it. That's my <laughs>
0: <laughs> How did that turn out?
2: Yeah, it turned out well, actually. It's still running around Saskatoon somewhere, I think. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> so a Colt is this teeny tiny little Dodge, and a 302 is a Ford V8. So,
2: Yeah, exactly. So Yeah, that was a bit of a bit of a shoehorn fit. So,
0: <laughs> Take off the fenders to change the plug sort of situation.
2: Yeah, well, there wasn't even any fenders. Like, that thing was uh, unibody on the front, so it was just, yeah, everything was ugly. But it was, <laughs> uh, yeah, I not know it was pretty tight getting in the
0: well, can't be too ugly when everything's a blur, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, it's good. I guess, yeah, the first thing I actually did, I was probably 11 or 12 years old, a friend of mine, Dwayne Rossler in Saskatoon, uh, we uh, we started big go-karts, and uh, I guess that was our first thing we tore ourselves out to of weld and, uh, and started figuring things out back then, so we were ripping around the neighborhoods and... <laughs> stretched out go-karts
0: very cool well rod thank you very much for the time today Um, yeah
2: absolutely blake oh it's been great
0: hey that's mad inventor and muscle car guy rod newlove again from the pharaoh's car club so thanks a lot to pharaoh's for suggesting members and i hope to have many more i hope you'll be here for many more as well if you have a story I'd love to hear it from you. This is the Autobiography Podcast, part of the Communal Creative Studios uh, network of podcasts. We're having a ball with it, too. So, back with more soon. Until then, keep your wheels on the road and a tarp on your load.